Welcome to the Campus Christian Fellowship Podcast for the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa. This semester we've been doing roughly a chapter a week pace through the book of 2 Corinthians, and that means that there are some weeks when there's... um, a little bit more material in the chapter than what we're able to cover on a night. And so I wanted to kind of give that preface because uh, tonight we're only doing the second half of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I don't want it to feel like the first half doesn't have anything uh, to add to us. It's just the second half had the some really good verses that I wanted to make sure we highlighted and, and got to, and so that's why I'm focusing mostly on um, the second half of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So let's go ahead and start getting into some text and seeing what uh, Paul is, is going to be sharing with us uh, through his letter that he wrote to the Corinthians. So this is 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 to 19. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So a big portion of this uh, section of, of Scripture here is is about new creation um, and, and reconciliation. And when I think about uh, new creation, uh, I actually want to go back kind of further in Scripture to the first creation. Because there's something that happens during creation, and there's some unique things going on that, that help link creation um, with several other accounts in Scripture, um, other accounts that I think are instances of recreation that are happening. Um, essentially, what I want to do is kind of point to this idea of of creation, of new creations, of recreations, that this is something that God has kind of always been doing throughout time, that his goal has always been to to reconcile the world back to him, that this ministry of reconciliation uh, wasn't something new that came with Christ, although Christ's resurrection and and us being new creations in Christ, I think, is kind of like the the, the fullness of this being revealed from God. Um, but let's just take a quick journey through Scripture, and we're going to kind of focus in on, on one word that's actually a pretty cool word in Hebrew. It, it's the word ruach. And uh, it refers to spirit or wind or or breath. Uh, it can be translated those different ways. And it shows up a few times in, in creation accounts within Scripture. So the first time uh, is, is the first creation account, the creation. Uh, Genesis 1 verse 2, it talks about the Ruach hovering over the waters. And so this is God's spirit is hovering over the waters. Uh, and this is right before God starts separating the water from water and, and he calls forth, you know, uh, light and, and land and creatures and humans. And then he breathes uh, into humans. Uh, that's Ruach actually happens there as well when God's breath comes into us. Um, that's what God is breathing in, his spirit, his His breath. It's the same word there. And so there's kind of some unique, neat things that are happening with the word Ruach in, in creation in the first place. And then in Genesis 8, 
uh, verse 1 is is when it's the middle of the flood account and and Noah is out and this is after the earth has already been flooded that's there's again all water everywhere and and then God starts pushing the waters aside with his breath it, it talks about how he the the ruach um sweeps over the waters and the waters start moving and and the, the water separates from water and then land starts appearing and, and we have a very uh I think clear retelling of that creation account in as part of the flood story, and, and so we see here that that after the flood, there's a recreation that happens. That God's trying to reconcile the world back to Him after all the destruction that happened with the ark. That He wants Noah to be uh, kind of the the new Adam in in, in this case, um, and, and he's he's recreating and he's reconciling. And then we see in Exodus 14, uh, verses 21 to 22, it talks about the the waters of the Red Sea. So this is the part in the story where the Israelites uh, have have been fleeing from the Egyptians and they're trying to get to the promised land and, and they're confronted with this big ocean, um, this the Red Sea, this huge body of, of water. And then it talks about how there's there's a wind, a ruach from the east that comes and starts pushing uh, the water. And so the waters pile up and there's this dry land that appears. The water is separated from water and then there is land and, and the people cross it. And so there's even elements of the creation story here. There's an element of a recreation going on as God is separating the seas and, and, and helping the Israelites to find their promised land, the, the new home for them. Uh, God is creating these things and making these things happen. His ruach is 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 what is a part of this. There's one final account that I want to talk about, which is uh, in the prophets. It's in the book of Ezekiel in chapter 37, um, roughly verses 9 through 14. Is when it talks about God breathing into the valley of dry bones. His his ruach comes amongst these bones, and, and they have life again. And, and then God um puts flesh back on them, and and so they become this this mighty army. And, and Ezekiel sees this as um, this is actually the first place in Scripture where resurrection is talked about. Is is here in this vision of if is that Ezekiel has that God is resurrecting an army. He is recreating. He is he's he is um, just putting things back together, and in this case, putting body parts back together and and putting life back into these bodies. That's that's kind of what resurrection, what recreation looks like. And, and so the neat thing about here with that um, Ezekiel passage is um, just the chapter before that, and that's actually the main part of Ezekiel that I want to focus on today. I know that seemed like kind of a long journey just to randomly get to Ezekiel, but it'll start to make sense as we talk about it, that what God has been doing is showing Ezekiel that that his plan is to restore Israel. He wants to reconcile with them, to bring them back to the the, the promised land, the one that he gave them in in Exodus, the one that he parted the Red Sea so that they could have. Um, that that he's trying to bring his people back to that, and, and he's restoring them for a very specific purpose, which it, Ezekiel thirty six gets into. So I'm going to read from from you verses twenty two to twenty eight. 
This is Ezekiel 36 once again. Therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says, it is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you've gone. I will show you the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them, that the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people, and I will be your God. The cool thing about this passage is, is that God talks about making Israel a new creation and giving his ruach to them. He's going to put a new spirit in them and put his spirit in them so that they um, can move to follow his decrees and be careful to keep his laws. So, so he's saying he's going to send his spirit to, to energize them, but also to help them to be obedient to who he is. Uh, that's what them becoming a, a new creation is about. It's about reconciliation. It's about them getting back to that land. But, but, the really neat thing is all of this new creation, all this reconciliation, it's not for Israel's sake. It's not because God so loved Israel that he wants to choose them and and make them better than everybody else and give them his spirit. It's not for that reason. It's, it's because he wants to share that message with the nations. He wants Israel to be ones who can point to God and say, we got our land back. Even though we continued to disobey God, we profaned his name amongst you, we pointed to anywhere but him, God restored us and gave us a new spirit so that we could follow him in order that we could point back to him and say, look how much we changed. Look how different things are. This is all because of God. And that's the neat thing that's happening throughout Scripture. The point of Israel being where they're, where they're at, um, the, like the land of Israel is, is the crossroads of, of the earth. It's the place where all like trade goes through and, and all kinds of the ancient world like operates by, by going through the land that was held by the Israelites. And so God puts them there so they can be right in the middle of everything, so they can be his priests, so they can be pointing to who he is, that he is something different than all of those other gods of all the other nations, that he is loving, that he restores, that he reconciles, that he makes them a new creation. Let's get back to that Second Corinthians passage, and we're going to read now um, from chapter 5, verse 20 through uh, 6, verse 2. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are to be his priests, much like Israel was, um, so that we can look and show our who we are as a new creation, our transformed lives, that we can, people who knew us before we knew Christ can look at how our lives have changed and say, 
something's different about you, man. Like before you were like this and now you're like, what happened? And you can say, God put a new spirit in me. He reconciled me. He made me a new creation. This is what happens when, when Christ comes into our lives, when his Holy Spirit transforms us. We can be his ambassadors and, and we can share how much God has done, how much he has changed things. And, and it's a reminder that, that the reason that we become a new creation is not just so we can be good people. It's not so that we can point to ourselves or feel good about ourselves. It's so that we can point to God and we can share with others who God is and what God is doing in our lives and how that can be such an incredible impact for their own lives. We are to be Christ's ambassadors. God reconciles us so that we can point others to him. I've said before in this podcast, uh, in my messages, kind of what the city of Corinth looked like. Uh, I want to remind you a little bit of what the setting is for this, for this book, um, for what's being shared. Because um, the thing about Corinth is, uh, so we've got two different letters, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that Paul has written to the church in Corinth. And they're the first one definitely is a harsh letter. Um, the second one, maybe not as harsh, but there still seems to be a lot that's kind of off with the Corinthian church. There's some things that they're messing up, and they live in a difficult time, a difficult place. The city of Corinth is is a port, is a trading port, um, and in the ancient times, um, and, and, and even some places today, uh, ports are places where there's not a lot of good activity that's going on. There's a lot of money that's exchanging hands, and so you've got people that are really well off. You've also got people that are being oppressed, and, and um, there's slave trade going on in, in Corinth. There's um, like roughly two-thirds of the Roman Empire are slaves, so there's a lot of slavery that's happening at this point in time. So there are people that are being oppressed. There are people that are living it up um, and everywhere, in be- everything in between. There's lots of different... Uh, groups within Corinth. It's a very diverse city with Romans, with Greeks, with Jews, uh, lots of different populations, and they don't always get along. And and so there's issues with that, where there's classism and there's uh, ethnocentrism and and just all kinds of other gross isms that are happening in the city of Corinth. And there's also not only these abuses of power and oppression that are going on, but there's also just uh, sinful activity. Um, it's a place where, you know, Corinth was kind of one of those places in the ancient world where um, whatever happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. And so it has that kind of attitude about the city. It's a place where people would go to, to party, to, to find prostitutes, to do um, – just whatever unspeakable things that they didn't want to do in their own home cities. Sometimes they would just go visit Corinth to do those things. And so that's the kind of thing that's happening where this church has been planted, where Paul intentionally said, God has work to do here. And so there are people that are living in the midst of all of this that are still hearing about this message, that are, whose lives are being transformed, who are living for the gospel and the thing about Corinth is while it maybe isn't the most important city in, in, um, in the history of Christianity, there, there are more important places. Uh, Rome is significant. Antioch is significant. Jerusalem is significant. Uh, Corinth is still remembered and still noted for being a place where the gospel took hold and churches grew. And it was a, a place that kind of was somewhat the center of, um, for its region of, of Christianity. 
And that's kind of the cool thing is that the people in Corinth took this message to heart. They had a feel and an understanding for what it meant to be Christ's ambassadors. And they listened when Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. They said, okay, let's do what Paul did then. Let's listen to his letters and let's be Christ's ambassadors here. And so it's impactful, the gospel. It it changes lives. It it does things. It moves. And, And so... I want us to think about how we can be impactful in in the communities where we find ourselves, how we can be Christ's ambassadors. Uh, We may not be in the most important of cities. We we may not be um, that significant of people, but we have the opportunity to point to God and and share how he has transformed us, how he's made us a new creation, how he's he's reconciled us to him, that we can say, this is what my life looked like before God put his spirit in me. But now I've I've got it, and this is what my life looks like now. And and man, it's it's incredible to see what God has done, how He's transformed my life. And I think I think if you let Him, He can do the same thing for you. That God is just He does things that are different. I care about people that I would have had a hard time caring about before. I I have incredible love for for all people because I, I I'm starting to see them as as God sees them as as Christ sees them as dearly loved children his children and so I want to pour out my love like that I want to live my life like that like Christ did and love people like he loved them serve people like he served them be willing to give even my life for others and that's what our message should be like. That's what our message can be like, because we are to be Christ's ambassadors. We are to take this new creation that we've been given, this reconciliation that we have with God, and it's not for us. It is to point back to God and say, this is what it looks like to be a new creation. I think God can do awesome things with your life too. So let's be his priests. Let's be His the sign in the wilderness that the thing that points back to God and says he's doing something and it can be it can be the same kind of awesome for your life as it's been for mine let's share that message hey thanks for checking us out and spending some time with us this week quick reminder if you're a student at Iowa State University of Northern Iowa or University of Iowa we would love to connect you with a campus minister so reach out to ccf.uiowa at gmail.com and we will make sure we get you connected be sure to specify your school in an email additionally if you have questions about anything you've heard today or anything that's on your mind we would love a chance to answer that here anonymously so you can also just drop a line there again that is ccf.uiowa at gmail.com we hope you have a great week and please know that we are praying for you